Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. Hope you've enjoyed the service. If you didn't, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to continue this morning in our series on the Holy Spirit. Um, many, many comments uh, about how you have enjoyed this series and in your small groups that you're learning and uh, being able to apply it to your life, and obviously that's our goal. Um, for those of you that have missed some of those, as long as there is electricity and the Internet, um, you can go to Sermon Audio, and it's just an app. Put it on your phone and listen to these messages again and again and again. Um, this particular series on the Holy Spirit, we did one, oh my, it's been 10 years ago, uh, on Abide, which is similar in content. Um, and uh, Drew Brock still says, I don't want to ever hear that word again, Abide, you know, because it, it was a abide, abide in the Holy Spirit and in, in the Lord. But um, I would suggest that, you know, you go back and listen to them and so that you, it, my grandmother said it's like a sieve. The more you pour it through, the cleaner the sieve, not the more it holds out. And, and so these will help you. There's another s series on there that if you struggle with, with something in your life on strongholds, um, that I recommend. It's probably my favorite. It's pretty bad when you have your own favorites of your own messages, huh? but uh, it's it's very good. It, in fact, is not an original. Um, I, uh, we, Linda and I met a lady in uh, Charleston um, who was a, a professional Christian counselor, and she gave me a book um, uh, and, and from it, I derive those messages um, on strongholds. We all have strongholds in our life, and, and it's, it's very good. So enough commercial. We'll move forward. Um, this morning, we'll tackle another aspect of the Holy Spirit. I think there's this message and then maybe one or two more before we move into a Christmas series. Um, but... Uh, <coughs> This one this morning, uh, this is number seven, I believe, on the Holy Spirit, and this is by far the most important one. It's, it, it will help you more if you can uh, apply this to your life. Uh, this aspect this morning about the Holy Spirit that we're going to speak to you about um, has led to a lot of confusion among Bible scholars and the children of God. Um, even there's de de denominational divide over the fullness of the Spirit, um, what that means. And we've discussed up until now the indwelling uh, of, of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now this morning, the fullness of of the Spirit. I will attempt to make this about as clear as mud to you, um, if, that, if I can, uh, because there's, there's just so large a topic matter here. 
and and hopefully you'll just have a clear understanding because there is a lot of published confusion about the Holy Spirit and the fullness, the baptism, and the indwelling of the Spirit. The indwelling, and, and all I can give you is Scripture. You're going to make up your own uh, opinion, but all I can give you is Scripture to support what I'm teaching you or preaching to you. Um, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is very simply at the moment that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and by that I mean you believe the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection. You become a saved individual is, is the Christian lingo. And at the moment that that happens, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. This is not something that, that you have to do yourself or have some experience of jumping, shouting, running. It's the indwelling of the Spirit at the time of salvation. He lives inside of you and occupies your heart and mind. You say, you know, now, now, now before I tell you that or go to the Scripture... That does not mean that he has control of you because you have a free will and, and to listen and obey if you want to. You say, well, where do you find that in the Bible at? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul asked a question, do you not know that he dwells, you are a temple? In other words, your body becomes a temple of God. That's interesting because this proves the Trinity. You're a temple of God and yet that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in your body or dwells in you. There's where that terminology comes from. Dwells in you or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The next terminology terminology that you hear in Christian circles a lot and and is is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Uh, what's that mean? When I got baptized, I got baptized. No, it's the same as the indwelling. Only, please listen to what it says. You find this in First Corinthians chapter twelve and verse thirteen. Paul says, "For by one Spirit, for by one." Baptized, you were all baptized into one body. I think that passage makes it very clear. We were all baptized into one body. Not big about the church, not big branch church, the universal church. And and it, it makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is received at the moment. Of salvation, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. It happens at salvation. Then Romans eight nine it confirms that. It's Paul said this, and I'll do the dot 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 because if if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, look look at that. If indeed He dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, what? 
he is not his. Proof from Scripture. You're indwelled and baptized into the body of Christ, into the church at the time of salvation. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you don't hear that still small voice, you don't, you don't have a conscience, so to speak, that whispers in your ear when you get ready to do something obnoxious and cuss out your neighbor or, or get slobbering drunk or whatever it is, and there's nothing about you that God speaks to you about your sin, you're not saved. I didn't say that. Paul said that very clearly. If, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So the Holy Spirit indwells the Christian. He comes and lives inside of you. He speaks to you about your sin. He guides and directs your life as part of the indwelling and baptism of the Spirit in you. One more point that uh, I want to draw your attention to because it's real comforting and it's assuring and it is the Holy Spirit that seals us until the day of redemption. You say, where do you find that at in the Bible? I, I don't know that I believe. Well, just read your Bible and you'll believe it if you believe what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 13 and 14. In Him you trusted. You put your faith and trust in Christ. After you what? After you heard the word of the gospel, the word of truth. That's what it says. The gospel of your salvation. It's the gospel that saves you. It's not your good works. It's not your baptism. It's not your church membership. It's the gospel. Don't let anybody preach or teach you otherwise. Paul makes it clear here. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. What is the truth? The gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed. You've got to believe it. It's one thing to know the gospel and know that Christ died on the cross. It's another thing to believe. And that word believe means you put your faith and trust in the gospel. You trusted Christ. Even the devil believes. Find that over in the book of John. But when you believe, you trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the cross. You were what after you believed? You were sealed. I watched them can uh, apple butter last night, and they put these seals on top of the jars, and it, that, that you heat that, and, and, and then it pops and seals that jar. You were sealed. If it doesn't seal, it won't be good very long, by the way. Right. <laughs> You were sealed with the what? Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed. Your salvation sealed once you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Not because of you, but because of what He done. And He's the one that saves you. He's the one that seals you. Who in the, is the what? Guarantee. That's pretty strong verbiage. He's the guarantee of our inheritance. You're inheriting eternal life. You just haven't got it yet. You'll get it when you kick over. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until when? Paul, when? 
until the redemption of the purchased possession. You're bought with the blood of Christ. You're a purchased possession. Uh, If you don't understand this and don't believe it, it's because you don't understand common sense and plain English. Amen. Amen. That you were, you're the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession and not to your glory, to the praise of His glory. Man, that, 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 uh, we call that eternal security. Amen? Amen? There it is. I didn't write it. I just read it. Eternal security is the words we use to describe it. And then one will ask, the message today, then what is the fullness or filling of the Holy Spirit? Is it really... I got filled this morning because of the music. I got filled this morning and I had an experience of speaking in tongues and running up and down the aisle. I got filled this morning and I just passed out. I was so happy and glorious. I challenge you to listen to what the Bible says. And first note, this is not something... That happens at the time of salvation. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not something that happens at the time of salvation. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess. He he said, don't get drunk. Because it controls you. There's where he's leading to with this. But be filled with the Spirit. In other words, be controlled by the Spirit, not like the alcohol. There's what he's saying. You can drink drink your wine, drink your beer, whatever. But when it comes to the point that it controls you, there's, there's where the problem starts. It's controlling You're not supposed to be controlled by an outside source. You're supposed to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And it's, it, it's, not a, it's not an act that happens at salvation. It's a command. But be ye filled with the Spirit. So we're commanded to what? Absolute surrender is what he's saying in that passage. To be controlled. It is actually present tense. If you look in the original uh, Hebrew and Greek and, and, and scope it out, and I'm, I'm not a Hebrew or Greek theologian, I just have a good book in my library. Um, it, it's present tense, so what it is really saying is keep on being filled with the Spirit. It is an experience we should enjoy constantly. And, and my best example or my best illustration is to be, to be filled with the Spirit is this, is simply to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. 
And, and He lives in you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to show you God's will through His Word and through His presence. And absolute surrender is being filled by the Spirit of God. Amen. We do not fill ourselves. The, but you permit the Holy Spirit to fill you and control you. To be filled with the Spirit, one is constantly controlled by the Spirit in their mind, in their emotions, and in your will. You want to know what the answer is to an anger fit? I used to have an anger fit. I'm glad my kids aren't here. They're coming for Thanksgiving dinner today. We have it early. But they'd say my dad was a fit thrower. He'd get mad and just pitch a fit. I remember one time Chad spilled with it may have been this time of year. We was going to my mother's for dinner. I had a pitcher of lemonade. I, I, I still remember it. They don't remember it. Well, they probably do. I've pitched a new car. <laughs> a new car that we poured a gallon of lemonade in the back floorboard, turned it over. Sticky, sugary, ant-attracting. Try to get that out of your vehicle. I didn't only pitch a fit and throw Ray's holy then. <laughs> I did for weeks to come. Every time I'd get in that car, you'd stick. To it. <laughs> you want to know what the answer to fit throwing is? Being controlled by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Being controlled by the Holy Spirit. You're constantly, your mind and your emotions. My, my immediate emotion is anger. And the Holy Spirit says, well, wait a minute. That's just an old car. These kids going to be around a long time, don't you know? There's no sense in acting that way. They didn't mean to do it. I think I want to... Your will is controlled by the Spirit. I think I want to, you seniors graduating, I'm gonna, I, I think I want to go to school at Timbuktu. I won't draw attention. Maybe God wants you to go somewhere else. Your will starts meshing with God's will. Well, I'm going to find me a woman and marry the first one I can. Maybe God's will is that he's got some good Christian girl over here, not somebody that will sleep with you in the hay every time you get the opportunity. You know? You, that's being controlled by the Holy Spirit. God wants to control, and he has a perfect will for your life. And he'll lead you. Lead you. To that perfect person. He'll lead you to that. People say all the time. I, 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 I have folks come. I used to do a thing called exit interviews. Folks would say. Well God's leading us. And we're going to work in such and such a state. And so and so. I'd say. They'll ask. Well what's the first thing we should do? I'd make sure that's what God wants. Instead of what my company wants. Because he can provide you another job here. If that's not what God wants. It's more important you stay in the will of God than you work for GE somewhere else. Amen. 
or whoever. And I'd tell them, I'd say, and once you're sure that's what God wants, then the first thing you need to do is not go looking for a house. You go looking for a good church so that God can continue to speak to you. People ask, how do you know when you're in the right church when God speaks to you there? How do you know when it's time to leave your church when God quits speaking to you there? That's easy. So simple. Controls your will. He controls your emotions. He controls your mind. When we trust Christ, we are baptized into that body. We are indwelt. But nowhere are we commanded. Nowhere are we commanded to be indwelled or to be baptized into the body. But we, it's a part of salvation. But we are commanded as Christians to do our part is to surrender our will, our mind, and our emotions to the Holy Spirit. Romans 6.13 makes it clear, not my words, not something I just throw out there that I believe. Yield yourself to God, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, as those that are alive from the dead, because you are, you were once dead in trespasses and sin, and now you're alive because He lives inside, and you've got to yield to the Holy Spirit. This is the secret, the secret to the Christian life is yielding to the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. What, you, you want to know what simple terminology for it is? To be put at one's disposal. Put, your, our, put yourself or put ourselves at God's disposal. Surrender yourself. Become the property of God with a price you were bought with a price the blood of Christ so now just say here I am what do you want me to do next pretty easy allow God to do allow God to use you as he wills and at that point that you give that control as you become more and more. It's not instantaneous. You're not going to get this victory. Well, I'm, today, I'm doing it. You're going to fail this afternoon at it. You're going to stumble. But you just start over. Be filled. Just let him keep pouring in and through you and using you. Folks, you know... It, it, The more you allow God to do and use you, it's at that point He takes control. You become more surrendered. And I'm going to tell you what happens. It secures all the blessings that is possible to man on this earth. The more you surrender, the more you're controlled, the more God will bless you. And... Folks will ask, well, well, what is the one thing I can do in order to discover everything God has for me? That's the simplest answer in all of Christianity. Surrender. Surrender. You want all that God has for you. You hear all this, you know, all this hype, you know, from, from giving to 
purchase, you know, God, God's got all this wealth and, and happiness and all that. You want to know where you, where you get it at? Surrender. Amen. Surrender. You say, what's that, what's that look like? Get on your knees. Come up here to this altar after this message and say, Dear God, I have no will of my own anymore. My kids is in your hands. Let your will be done in me. Let your will be done through me. By me. In all things. I put my life in your hands. Do with me whatever you desire. All that I have, all that I own is at your disposal. And God, if it's going to happen, you're going to have to give me the power through the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to give me the faith. You're going to have to give me the strength to resist the temptation of the devil and obey your every command. And in response to that simple prayer, God, who is infinite love and wisdom and power, has a plan for your life from before you were born. He'll start a work in you that you will not believe. To some people, it's not immediate. To some, it is. But you trust that it's immediate and God will flood your heart with blessing after blessing to those that fully surrender. Absolute surrender to God is the secret of blessing and power, faith and strength. This is not something that I just talk about. I've experienced it as a 19-year-old kid. I'd not been saved but a few months. God called me to preach and, wow, I, I, I think back to pastor's conference. I went to a pastor's conference, a preacher's conference in Illinois. It's the home of the Moody Bible Institute. Over 15,000 preachers gathered and and full-time Christian workers, which I was not at the time, were gathered in one building. And I heard a guy from Wayne, West Virginia, Dr. B.R. Lakin, preached a message similar to this. And said, if you want to be used of God, you're going to have to bow to God to surrender your life. The most powerful service I was ever in. I walked the aisle. In fact, I couldn't get down the aisle. 10,000 preachers backed up in the aisles and knelt. and vowed to God that they would surrender their lives.
and I was just one of them. In no time, I had quit my job. I was a machinist. As a kid, I was going through the journeyman program, McCorkle Machine Shop. Learned to, I, I mean, just all that comes with being a machinist. I was learning and making good money. I'd quit my job. <laughs> I went into full-time service. My first <laughs> paycheck was cut by almost three-fourths. thought, how am I going to make it? My mom started throwing a holy fit. I become assistant pastor and youth director at one of the fastest-growing Sunday schools per capita of anywhere else in Ohio. And it's just proof what God would do if you'd surrender your life. I watched that church go from zero, it was an upstart, to there was Sundays on big days. We'd have over 1,500 in Sunday school. I'd have 200 teenagers in one gymnasium. What was even worse than that, there was Sundays that I'd go into children's church and have over 200 fifth, sixth, seventh graders in a gymnasium. Now, you talking about crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> God will use you if you're all about building the kingdom. What do you mean by that? Seeing people saved and making disciples out of Him. If you're not about building an empire, you want to see people saved, truly. If your goal in everything you do is to see people saved, God will use you in ministry. In 2008, fast forward, at an altar in that little white church that used to sit right out there in that parking lot, After being out of church for 20 years, I had a group of people that some of you are still here today had prayed for me and believed in me. I rededicated my life to that vow. I'll fully surrender my will. And you want to see what God has done in the last 14 years, 14 and a half now? It's unbelievable. I have to pinch myself sometimes to see what's here versus what we were. I don't know of another church in the tri-state that has experienced what Big Branch Church has experienced in the last 14 and a half years. New building, the growth, adding properties and the offering goes up during COVID. <laughs> A milestone, November 9th, this past week. Eight years in this building. We went for three years, almost for three years, and every Sunday someone trusted Christ 
or got baptized or joined this church. I'd tell preachers that and they'd tell me I was lying. We had more people on Wednesday nights than we did on Sunday mornings. They'd say, that, that's, that doesn't happen. You're lying. If God's people, and, and to be honest with you, God's at it again right in our midst. If God's people will believe and trust and surrender and be about reaching the lost and getting them baptized and making disciples out of them, quit worrying about all this fanaticism. I, I want to feel the Spirit and have a dance. I want to feel the Spirit and see someone get saved and they surrender their life to Christ. <laughs> I want to feel the Spirit and see four or five of them put their faith and trust in Christ like we've experienced in the last few weeks. That's the Spirit of God at work in your midst. He will fill us with His power and bless His people and church beyond their belief. Nothing binds the spiritual vision of an individual or a church like self-will and sin. They're synonymous. Unsurrendered will and unsurrendered will lies behind all skepticism, doubt, unbelief, lack of faith, trying to feel your way through the dark. Lord, show us what it, what, where you want us to go and, and i got to see the path clearly. You want me to show you what a surrendered will looks like to God? Come here a minute, Ted. You're going to pretend to be God. I, 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 that's a stretch, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. But, but here it is. Here, here's what it looks like. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do and I can't see. And you know what God does? You're just blind and He leads you along. And you just have to follow His will. That's what a surrendered will looks like. Preach it. Preach it. That's exactly. You don't know. You're scared to death. God, how are we going to pay for that? I don't know what to do. Just shut your eyes and let Him lead. If, if He's leading you, He'll where He guides, He provides. Oh, but God, I don't know about quitting my job. Where He guides, He provides. Where He leads, He guides. You just got to surrender. For 15 years, I've sat in a board meeting. And the people that served on the board of this church made decisions by faith. With no money. No money. And where God's guided, He provided. And their, their prayer, anybody that prays starts, God help us to do what you want to be done. Your will be done. Not an agenda. God's will. The greatest, the greatest truths 
An eternal vision cannot be reasoned out. They're done by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's not my words. Zechariah 4.1, one of my life's verse. Not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit, says the Lord. God already knows if you, if you will surrender and just follow Him. You cannot feel your way through the dark. You just got to walk out by faith. God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. You want to get your life straightened out? You want to see God work in your life? You want to see God work in your marriage? You want to see God work in your business? Absolute surrender is the path to blessing. So where do you find that at in the Bible? 1 John 3.22 You want to to see your prayers answered? And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Why? How? Because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. We surrender. Did you hear that? We ask, we receive. How? We keep His commandments and do the things in His sight. Absolute surrender. No prayer, great or small, goes unanswered. Many people are greatly puzzled because their prayers never seem to reach the ears of God. And there is no mystery about that. It is because they have not met one of the great fundamental conditions A surrendered will. A surrendered life. Psalms 37, 4 ought to be another one of your life's verse. Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. You can take that either way. He'll give you the proper desires or He'll give you the desires of your heart because they are the proper desires if you're surrendered. Absolute surrender is the key. The second benefit is not just answered prayer, but your joy might be full. I know folks aren't surrendered because of, of, because of what the Bible says. John 15, 10 and 11 said, These things have I spoken unto you, that your joy might be full. What was he talking about when he said these things? Absolute surrender. Joy and struggle. You say, how these people just seem to, they, they're, they're joyous. They, they're, they're, not, they're not devastated. They're not depressed. They're not got their self underneath the cover, squirreled up in a little teeny ball with it pulled over their head. Over their head. How's that happen? and struggle. Because there's joy and struggle. There's joy and fear. There's joy loneliness, there's joy in loss and heartache, there's joy in the middle of the storm and it comes from a life of fullness of the Spirit of God because of absolute surrender. You must be willing to turn over all to Him.
in 2009 in the midst of a financial depression, I prayed a simple prayer. In fact, it was four words. God, whatever you want. Had a home on the river. I had a high paying job. I mean high paying job. I had a farm in the country and a home in Florida. God, whatever you want. You just guide. And boy, that was a mistake. He started immediately. <laughs> I told Linda, God was leading me back into full-time service. We decided to put, that it was God that wanted us to put the farm up for sale in the height of a depression. Nothing was selling. Interest rates were through the roof. I had laid off 530 employees that were working for me at the time. Our kids were two of them, my two boys. We was operating on bare bones at the company. Didn't have any new work, didn't see getting any, any insight. God, you guide whatever you want. 6.30 one Saturday morning, I took a little old for sale sign. out to where the farm was. Didn't even have a hammer. I was so upset. Took my shoe off and pounded that stake in the ground in front of the farm. Dropped my phone and run over it as I was backing out of the driveway. Didn't realize it. Picked it up and the face was just broke on it. Nothing, it still worked. I started down the road, and I didn't get as far as from here to the curve, and my phone rang at 6.30 in the morning, right after daylight. I didn't recognize the number, and I thought, hmm. Hello? You got the farm for sale? I was like, God, is that you? <laughs> there ain't nothing selling, and that sign hadn't been there two minutes. Some guy said, well, do you or don't you? I was still trying to get my wits together over why all that happened. <laughs> I said, yeah, I just put that sign up less than five minutes ago. Where are you at? He said, I'm sitting here at it right now. I was driving down the road. I'm looking for a piece of property. I said, I, I can come back and let you in. He said, you can come back and get my check. That's the God's truth if I ever told it. Linda. I went back and the guy said, here. He said, don't cash this today. 
He said, because I'll have to transfer money out of my savings. He didn't ask me to come down two cents. He wrote a check for that piece of property when nothing was selling. He didn't do a title search. He didn't do a survey. He didn't do nothing. He said, can I move in? I said, if this check's good, you can do anything you want to do. <laughs> and it was one event after another. Sold our house on the river. And God just has continued to bless and lead and guide and multiply. <laughs> he just needed me to surrender. The farthest thing from my mind after being out of church and for 20 years was ever getting back into full-time ministry, but God had a plan. He just needed me to surrender. Hey, he doesn't play favoritism. What he did for me, he'll do for you. And he's done for many in this room. He has a better plan for your life than your plan. You want the blessings of God to flow in your life? Turn it over to him. Turn your ambitions, turn your goals, turn your children, turn your possessions, turn your wealth. He'll multiply it. I could tell you story after story after story of people in this room. Not my story, their story. I could have Susie stand, I could have Dan stand, I could have Perry stand, I could have Bill Kleiber stand. People that said, I was on the brink of disaster. I just turned it over to him. It was instantaneous. I opened my Bible up and there it was in black and white. He said, spoke to me. What God has done in their life once they fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit, God will do for you if you'll come to this altar and pray that hard but simple prayer. God, not my will, but yours be done. Dear God, I have no will of my own. Let your will be done in and through me. Fill me. Continue to fill me as I continue to yield. I put my life in your hands to do with whatever you desire. All I have or own, I put at your disposal. Give me the power the faith and the strength to obey.
I've seen God, when that's done, take us through some of the toughest times in my life. <coughs> I've watched our family deal with addiction and when we turned it over to him, he took care of it. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I know what the fullness of the Spirit is, and it's total surrender. Let's stand.